Okay, so I'm going to start in Romans 11:33 and keep going. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to keep going. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Awesome. Thanks, Sally. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word that guides and instructs us. And um, thank you for your spirit that you put into our heart to illuminate your word and to, and to speak to us and guide us every day. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be present in this room tonight, that the things that, um, that, things that I say, Lord, will feel like they're from you and not just from a person. Uh, Lord, and whatever's from you, I pray that my friends will keep and guard in their hearts and let it transform their minds. Whatever's not from you, God, I pray that they'll forget it. And Lord, uh, make us tonight to become a little bit more like you, Jesus. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, excited for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You can go ahead and sit. All right, friends. A lot of good stuff happening around here. So we have been in this series called uh, Flourish for a few weeks, uh, and we have been looking at kind of God's design for us as human beings to have a flourishing life with him. Um, we, when God made us and he put us here on the, on the planet, he, he didn't make us just to toil and have hardship, although there is toil and hardship. Uh, he didn't make us to all be healthy, wealthy, and wise all the days of our lives necessarily. Like we're, we live in a world of uh, a fallen creation, but in the midst of that, the way that God has made us is so that we would flourish. And the, the, the Bible uses all different kinds of metaphors for that, but one of the ones that we've been looking at is this idea of a tree that's planted by a river that gets its nourishment and, and what it needs so that it grows and its leaves uh, kind of are, are there in season and out of season. It bears fruit in season and out of season. And that metaphor is over and over and over used for how God, his intentions are for us as, as his people. And so we've been kind of looking and asking the question, what does it look for uh, us to have a flourishing life in him? And what we've been saying is there are these different areas of our life. We, we've, we, we're calling them the five capitals, these five areas areas in our life that God has asked us to look over, to steward, to take care of, so that we can grow. And his, his desire is that we not only just have a flourishing life in general, but that we flourish in each one of these areas of our life. And so we've talked about these different five, these capitals, spiritual capital, relational capital, physical capital, intellectual capital, which is what we'll talk about today, and financial capital. I remember that word capital is kind of a weird one. It's simply something that we have that we can invest to get something else. That's, that's all the idea. And so the Bible uses this idea all the time of making wise or worthy investments. And the best and most important investment we can make is in our spiritual life. That's number one. Second is our relational life. God prioritizes relationships over money and all kinds of other things. Next is the physical capital, which we talked about as our time 
time and our energy. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago and how it's our responsibility to steward our bodies and, and, and to use our time and energy wisely. And then now we're going to talk today about intellectual capital. And again, one more kind of review thing. We've said that flourishing life is all about faithfulness and fruitfulness. If we were to break down and say, what is a flourishing life? A flourishing life has to do with faithfulness and fruitfulness, and we're going to look at that today. So what is this intellectual capital thing all about? So intellectual capital is simply this, knowledge, ideas, and creativity. That's what it has to do with. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're, all of us are meant to be the smartest people on the planet, although some of you are really smart and you're awesome. Uh, but that's not the idea. The, the idea is that God has given us all a mind uh, he's given us all an intellect, and we're, we're called to steward that, whatever it is that we have, the best that we possibly can. So uh, the, I'm going to use these words fluently. You really smart people in the room, you're going to be like, hey, the mind isn't the same as this, whatever. Just park that for a minute, okay? Uh, I, what we're talking about is our thinking life, our thought life, our knowledge. And all of that is meant to be used for God's glory. And I don't, as I was thinking about this, it's amazing to me how both humans, um, you can marvel at how awesome they are, and you can be really, really discouraged at how stupid we are, right? I mean, I was like doing some thinking about this. I watched a thing on Netflix not too long ago uh, about SpaceX, all right, and how they have designed the rockets that take people to outer space these days so that they perfectly land back in the space where they took off from. Like on, a, on like a landing pad like this. Can you imagine that? That's like insane. That's an insane amount of human ingenuity. Oh, I mean, the amount of smart people that got in a room and thought about this for a long time and worked it and tried it, that then figured out how to make this rocket take humans to outer space and then come back and land, is, it's just nuts. It's crazy. I was thinking about like some medical breakthroughs and stuff like this. Here's something. This is going to gross you out. If you're a squeamish person, close your ears for a minute. They can make a human eyeball out of a human tooth. Yes, this is, I mean, insanity. First of all, who thought of this? Who was like, you know what? If a person couldn't see the way that we should fix this is make a tooth into an eyeball. You know what I mean? But this is exactly what they did. They actually, they take a tooth that's a functional tooth. They do some plastic thingamajigs to it. See, I'm not real smart. Um, then they implant it in the cheek of a person. So it becomes a part of them and it doesn't like reject it and it grows into them. And they take it out. And as long as certain parts of the eye is functioning properly, they put it back in and it becomes a functioning seeing eyeball. Guys, human beings are really smart. Like, the amazing, we do some really amazing things, but we also do some really stupid things. There's an entire show that our family likes to watch sometimes, which is basically nothing but stupid people doing stupid things. Hurting themselves over and over again. We laugh at this. Like, we're, we're like a little sadistic in our house. We like laugh at that kind of stuff. So, one of these things I was watching this, this week, Jeff Vale will get a kick out of this. There was somebody driving a forklift that had a forklift on the forklift... And then a pallet of stuff on that forklift. And needless to say, it didn't end well. But, you know, the whole thing just, just collapsed. I said Jeff, Jeff Vale trains people how to use forklifts. So this is like a big no-no, right? But people do really dumb stuff. But like we have this amazing ability to do great things. We also have amazing capacity to do really good like all those medical breakthroughs I was talking about, like to, to really harvest the best of what God has given us in creation for our good or to do the worst. 
I mean, the, the evil that exists in humanity and the way that people use their knowledge and their know-how to, to do evil or to skirt the law, it's like, it's amazing. It's the, it's the same intellect that we have to both do good or evil, right? But it's a matter of what we choose to do with it. See, our minds, our thoughts, our intellect, we're all meant to be devoted to God just like every other part of our life. Our minds are something that are meant to be stewarded for God's glory, now, not all of us have the same kind of brain. All of, like, we're all wired differently, right? Like, our minds kind of work differently. We have different capacities to remember different things. So, for example, if you try to um, give me your phone number, and I'm not writing it down on a piece of paper, my brain literally shuts off the moment you say numbers at me. I like, it just, it's just like, nope, this can't compute. Like you can see smoke and steam like coming out of the back of my head. It, it does not work for me. I am terrible with remembering movie quotes. Like, I don't know, Mark Ritchie is like genius movie quote guy. He, he's like, you know, quoting all, I'm like, dude, no, I know I saw that movie. It's like my favorite movie, but I don't remember that at all. Like, my brain just doesn't remember those kinds of things. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wired differently. My, my process, and, and you are too, the way that you memorize things. Like the, the way that you can remember information and store information. You're, whether you gravitate to concrete kind of ideas, like some of you are, are like real doers, like you like to know how to fix things and do things. Some of us are more like idea people. Like we're, we're all wired different. Isn't that an incredible wonder of God? Like, and what a beauty, like what an awesome thing that God would make us all different. Like I stare at a car engine and I'm like, yeah, I don't, it's a, yeah, there, there it is. You know, but then I have friends who can immediately diagnose upon looking on it like, yeah, this is what you need to do to fix them. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, we're just all wired differently. But all of us have a responsibility to use whatever faculty we have for God's glory. And actually, our, our intellectual life, our mental life is a key to a flourishing life because whatever happens in our thought life has incredible influence about everything else in our life. Like, if your thought life is, is off-kilter, then a lot of other things in life are going to be off-kilter. Have you ever thought about the importance of, the, of a true versus false ideas in our minds? Like true versus false. I mean, let's take some simple ones. So, uh, you know, I've been to uh, uh, Mexico and to certain parts of Central America and, and Haiti before. And when you pour water out of the tap in these countries, it looks clear just like it does here in my tap in my house. But there are things in that water, because I don't have an immune system that's made to drink it, that my body cannot handle it without getting sick. But if I didn't know that and I believed falsely that I could down that glass of water, I would be very quickly in a world of hurt, right? Like that, if I believed falsely that that water is okay for me to drink, I could get really, really sick. If I believed, for example, that a friend told a lie about me and then I got mad at them because I thought they told a lie when in fact they didn't, that has a capacity to ruin a friendship, right? That, my guess is that's probably happened to you. You found out later, oh, that person didn't say this thing. You know what I mean? Like, but if you believe that lie, like, rather than the truth, it has the capacity to affect your relationships. If I believed that I could fly and I jumped off the building, I would very quickly realize that I was believing a lie. Like, that's very detrimental to my health. If I believe that uh, with absolute certainty, and I knew for, for a fact who was going to win the Super Bowl this year, I can make a lot of money, 
right? I'm not encouraging you to gamble. I'm just saying, wouldn't that be awesome? Like if I knew for sure, if I knew for sure what the stock market was going to do, and I, and, I ha- and I was like, I know with 100, I know it's a fact, and I put all my money into it, and I knew somehow I was going to make a ton of money, that would be awesome. But the opposite is true. If I believed with everything and this false idea about what's going to happen, and I bet everything I had on the Super Bowl or everything I had in one area, I could lose it all based off of a false or a true idea. Our, be- our beliefs about God are really important. If we believe that God is really good, it's going to have implications about how we pray and about how we go about our lives. If we believe that God isn't genuinely good, then we're probably not going to pray and live our life in a certain way. As a matter of fact, today, it's 9-11. Today, a little over 20 years ago, some people believed falsely that God was telling them to fly these planes into these buildings. Do you realize the power of that false belief? It it, it had amazing implications for many, many people who lost their lives, not to mention all the fallout from all of that and all the things that, that followed after. It's a false belief. What we allow to be in our minds is really, really important. On the other side, when we have true beliefs, it has the capacity for infinite good if we're willing to lean into those things. And actually, the Bible has to say that in our minds is actually a place where transformation happens. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform any, uh, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Isn't it interesting? In, in the Christian world, we often talk about the transformation of the heart, which is totally a thing that happens. There's lots of promises about God changing our hearts. But here, the Bible is zooming in on a transformation that needs to happen in our minds, And actually, that what we think in a renewed way of thinking actually produces transformation in our lives. We can learn how to live according to the kingdom and God's ways instead of living according to the kingdom of this world and its ways. So that's why it says, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. A change can happen in our thinking that produces a change in who we are. That's really, really powerful. It's the power that God's given us. So what, what change will happen? What's the, what's the result? Well, the result will be, the end result will be, at the end of this verse, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Basically, if we allow a transformation in our mind to think thoughts that God thinks, it actually has the, the, the potential to change how we interact with the world. It has the potential to change how we see our situations and our problems and our solution. That we will be able to, in any and every situation, be able to discern this is what God's will is. I think this is what the heart of God is in this. It could be about all kinds of manner of things, like big things, like major decisions that we have to make, but also small, everyday occurrences. Actually, here's what, this is an aside, this is free. I have found that to the degree that I do this on a daily basis in the small things, it's much easier than to hear the mind of God in the big things. Most often, we don't do that. Most often, we come to God, and we're like, God, I don't know what to do here. Help me see the situation the way that you see it. And we do that out of a place of desperation. And, but the problem is that all that little kind of daily things in between, we haven't taken the time to let our minds be changed and think like God thinks. And so then we come to these points of impasse and we don't know what to do because we've been missing all of these daily little opportunities to start thinking like God thinks, all right? 
So remember, as we've been talking about this, it's about faithfulness and fruitfulness. This scripture here is all about faithfulness. Faithfulness, we talked about how is getting to know God or getting to know, getting to know the voice of the Lord so that we can do whatever he's asking in any situation. And that is exactly what we're talking about here. Allowing our mind to be changed so that we think like God thinks, so that we have his thoughts in our heads about all different kinds of things that we'll see life in our situations, our relationship, our work, our finances, the way that God sees those things. Growing in intellectual capital is simply the continual pursuit of learning more and more how to think like God thinks. More and more how to grow in truth and understanding about the situation we find ourselves in. Now, what that means for you is going to be different than what that means for me. Some of you are in different, we're all in different kind of stations in work. So for me, like part of my growing and understanding is uh, how to, how to uh, lead change in an organization, or how to dig into the scriptures. But for some of you, it's about the, the greatest next technology in engineering, or it's about the stock market, or it's about teaching, or about whatever it is. Like, we're all applying knowledge, but, but God has something to say to each one of us. And obviously, my, you know, and the, my, my bent here in this kind of talk and what we tend to think about is about the spiritual life and understanding the depths of God's wisdom, uh, how to pray, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but really, God has thoughts about all different kinds of things. Like, God has thoughts, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, about how we navigate relationships. Wouldn't it be good to listen to the author of human life about how we're meant to function in relationships? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, God has all kinds of thoughts about that. Wouldn't it be good to the person who is the provider of all things uh, to listen to what he has to say about how we manage our finances? You see what I mean? Like, he's got wisdom about these things. Wouldn't it be, be wise to listen to the one who gave us the body that we live in to how we should steward and care for it and what we should do with our time? And so when he says there are limits to what you can do, we say, yes, Lord, I'll take a Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I, I, I think that sometimes we over-spiritualize this to the point that we think that when we talk about using our mind as it relates to our spiritual life, we only think about knowing the, the Word of God. And that's really important, but the reality is the Word of God has applications for every area of your life. It, 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 like, and the Spirit of God at work in your life has applications for every area of your life. See, God's really, really smart. He really is. And He designed the world in such a way that we can learn from observing things in the world, from learning from other human beings, from learning from his word. We can learn from not only the Bible, we can learn from, the histor from history, and we can learn from sciences, and we can learn from, uh, from uh, other people and, the, and their things, that their experiences. And then we can learn from poets, and we can learn from authors. We can learn so much about how the world works and how life works. And if we take the time to learn those things and lean into that, we can observe how we're meant to function in these other areas. And what we're meant to do is hold up that learning that we have up against God's word and say, okay, Lord, show me how to make sense of this. I, I need two hands. I'm missing my Brittany mic today. Show me how to, how, how, show me how to understand this in light of this. What does your word say? Okay, help me understand this in light of your word. And then we learn something else about the world and we take it back to scripture. Okay, Lord, help me to understand this in light of your word. That's, that's the way this is meant to work. I'm not suggesting that we all need to become scholars, uh, that we all have to become, like, have the highest GPA. I mean, that's awesome. I think we should pursue excellence 
in our minds. I think we should pursue excellence in our thinking. Like, I'm not, but, but I'm not suggesting that all of us have to become scholars, but we do have a responsibility to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. To ask him about whatever his opinion is of what's in front of us, and to seek out the wisdom and knowledge that's in the world. Do you know that in the Bible, there are lots of quotes from other cultures? This is not like a scandalous thing. Like, I know this might, might make you feel some of, some of you uncomfortable, but for example, in the book of Proverbs, the Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived, actually borrows some phrases and things from other cultures around him and says, this is wisdom, and it's in our Bible. It's God's word. That's awesome. That's, that's not a bad thing because the, the Bible authors know that there's wisdom in the world that we can observe and we can apply to our life as well. And so we should be doing the same kind of thing, but we weigh it against what we see in Scripture. What we're meant to do is all grow our mental faculty, faculties to be excellent in whatever it is we're doing. So if it's a musician, we should be learning from the best musicians. If you're an author, you should be learning from the best authors. Whatever it is that we do, we should be growing our mind in those kinds of areas. Now, sometimes this looks very much like the acquisition of knowledge and just learning facts about things, growing our understanding, growing our learning about how to do something different or learning how does this work in this way instead of that. Sometimes it's learning like um, uh, um, th that kind of stuff. Um, but oftentimes, I think where we fall short is not just in facts, but in learning how to think. Learning how to perceive and understand the world around us. Look, the reality is, sometimes, guys, Christians can be really gullible. Like, it's very sad. Like, we, we should know how to be people who know how to per perceive how the world is working around us. Like, as a, as a matter of fact, guys, our history, and I'm going to go back into this in a little bit, our history of Christianity for the first 1,500 years, and even beyond that, is some of the brightest thinking and biggest breakthroughs in the history of humanity have been happened by Christian scientists and scholars, by Christian philosophers, like thinking, applying their knowledge and their know-how into seeing incredible technological advances for humanity. I know, I know right now that that's like a thing that we don't think about, but it is so, so important. Lord, raise up another generation of Christian thinkers. Lord, raise up another generation of people who know how to rightly divide your word and apply it to make breakthroughs in technology. And, and God, would you do that, Lord? Would you make that happen even in our midst, God, among our young people? Help them to think critically, God. Help them to weigh truth against lies, God. Help them to see what's true and what's not true, God. Help us, God, to shape and mold how, how we think, God, and how we perceive the world, Lord. That was an unplanned prayer there. So sorry. <clears throat> the Bible has a whole lot to say about what, not just what we think, but the way that we think. For example, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, I'm telling you, if all you had was that scripture to meditate on for the next few weeks, it would change your life. 
If you actually took these things and said, God, whatever happens, this is what I want to occupy the thoughts that are in my mind for the next couple weeks, you would have a a radically different outlook on life. You would be seeing your situations differently. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how when you allow negativity through the news or through music or through whatever, through the books that you're reading, allow those things to impact your mind, how all of a sudden you'll find your spirit like just down and depressed. Like, right? Nobody else can keep those things out of your head but you. Right? So, and, and so the way that we think is so, so important, what we fix our eyes on. It's interesting that these aren't facts that we're caused to think about. Actually, Paul's like painting in this really broad brushstroke, whatever's beautiful, whatever, whatever's admirable, whatever's lovely, whatever's noble. Like, that's awesome. That gives us a lot of things. My guess is for how you would define some of those terms are different than how I would. Like, for me, like, there's very few things that are more uh, inspiring than nature. Some people just aren't nature people. I don't understand you non-nature people. Like, but, but I, I mean, when I stand before a mountain or an ocean, if, if I just say, God, look at what you did. Like, and I feel something happen inside of me. I, I, you guys know I cry a lot. I, I cry at the Olympics sometimes. Because when I see a human being accomplish something at the absolute top of their game, I'm like, God, that is awesome. To me, that's noble. That's admirable. When I see an athlete competing at their absolute physical peak, I'm like, that is incredible, God. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so why don't we focus on those things instead of whatever the garbage news is telling us over and over again about all that's wrong in the world? There are a lot of beautiful, lovely things in the world. And what the enemy wants to do is throw you and make you think over and over again that how bad it is, how terrible it is, and then you forget those stories of those answered prayers, of the community that you've experienced, the love that you've experienced, the way that you've been surrounded with people when you were down in the pits. God is really good, and he's made his world really good. And the enemy, sure, there's evil. I don't want to diminish any of that. It is absolutely 100% there. Like some of the stories, even the last few weeks, I've heard of hardship and difficulty in our community and outside of our community. Man, you could get really despaired really, really quickly. Which is why Paul is saying, like, no, you got to fight for that. You have to make sure your eyes are fixed on these things. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians says, we demolish. I love the, the, the warfare language. Man, this gets my fighting spirit fired up. We demolish arguments. Like, we don't just, like, play around with arguments. Like, we take them down. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That is firm language. Like, right? Like, we don't just let whatever thoughts come into our mind just run roughshod in our mind. Like, Paul is advocating that we don't do that. He's saying, look, there are going to be ideas that will come into your head, and it's your responsibility to take those thoughts captive and make it obedient to Christ. We can't just let those ideas ruminate in our minds, unchecked. The amount of lies that we believe about ourselves or about God and about other people is absolutely ruining us. It's so detrimental, and it's so sad, it's so heartbreaking. 
And the reality is no one can do that in your mind but you. Like, there are lots of things that people can do for you, but no one can be in charge of what you let in and out of your, your mind. I was thinking about this. I was sitting in my backyard this weekend, and my backyard is like our happy place. Like, it's the place where we, we have fun with friends. Like, we, we make great memories. It's a place of mission for us as we try to invite people from our neighborhood over. It's like, it's got everything I love. Pool, friends, football. Like, I just, it's, it's, it's my place. Like, I just so love it. And I, because I love it, I don't just let anything come and go into my backyard. I've got gates to keep out things that I don't want and to keep in things that I do want because I've got two little doggies who will run out, right? And, and I also, there are lots of, like, we, we're also doing this for protection because we've got a pool in our backyard, and if we're not careful, some little kid could come wandering into our backyard and fall into that pool. I want my backyard to be ordered in such a way that I can use it for God's glory and for our benefit. Like, they're, like I, I want it to look a certain way and be a certain way. I want it to be safe. I want it to be, feel comfortable for when we have people come over. And to a, to a high degree, I have some control about what comes in and what comes out. There are certain things that I don't have any control over. If a tree limb falls down in my backyard from my neighbor's yard, I don't have any control over that. Right? There, if there is, like, flooding, which right now, who knows what's happening, you know, the ponds in, in our basements and our backyards, like, I don't have any control over that. I do have control about how I respond to it, though. I do have to say, this does not belong here. I don't want this here. I have to do something about this. This is not what I want. If there are weeds that are growing up in my grass that I don't want, I have a responsibility to take care of that. It is my kind of garden to tend to. It's my backyard to tend to. And I think that our minds are like that. Like we have control over what comes in and what comes out. Some things we don't have control over. All of us, again, are wired differently. Some of you have traumas and difficult things that have happened in your life. And, like, and these are things that happen and come up in your mind. And you don't necessarily have control of them. But you do have control of what you choose to do with those things. By all means, if this is an area of challenge for you, go see a therapist. We have lots of them here. Like we, we would be so happy that, that you would do that. Like, we also believe that God heals people of those kinds of things. And so we would also love to pray for you about that. But so much of this is, like, done in the, in the painstaking, everyday work of, of redirecting my thoughts towards God's thoughts. Of taking what's going on in my head and saying, is this true? Is this really what God thinks? Is this really what happened? And, and most of the time, we just, we're, to be honest, we're just kind of lazy, aren't we? Like, we, we just kind of take it for granted. But we cannot afford to be lazy. Again, the language of Paul, we demolish arguments. We tear down pretensions. We take every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. This is warfare kind of language. Because the reality is there is a battlefield for your mind. Whether you know it or believe it or not, it is happening right now. You are being formed right now by the media that you consume, by the books that you read, by the music that you listen to, by the way that your brain thinks. All of these things are forming who you are. And so we've got to be proactive in this. I think you guys are getting the point. And remember, the end game for this is flourishing. In the end game and flourishing is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, we said, is what comes out of our life that's good for God, good for others, and good for ourselves.
That's what flourishing is. What's good for, what comes out of our life that's good for God, our, ourselves, and others. With intellectual capital, the idea isn't simply that we acquire more knowledge for ourselves. It's not that we just have really good thoughts, although that's important for us in our own minds. But that if we are faithful in this, if we'll continue to try to uh, orient our mind towards God's thoughts, if we'll try to apply his knowledge towards life, if we'll try to think, be good thinkers, that it actually we will be beneficial not only to ourselves, but also for God's glory and also for other people. That will grow in our knowledge and our ideas and our creativity, and it will actually make a difference in the people around us. That's God's heart here. Again, flourishing isn't just for you. It's, it's, it, there's a part of it that's for you, but there's a part of it that's for, for people around you. If, you. if you really commit yourself to thinking like God thinks, you will see your world differently, and you will have knowledge and ideas and creativity that will make a difference in the world around you. I promise you. I think about Jesus and uh, the famous parable of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was presented this with a scenario. There are all these hungry people who have come to hear him teach and come to witness this great miracles he's doing. And the disciples come to him like, hey, uh, we got to send these people home. They're hungry, and we don't have any food. Normal people think that way. That's like just the normal way of thinking, right? They, you can excuse the disciples for thinking this. But Jesus has spent the first 30 years of his life dedicating himself to thinking like his heavenly father thinks. And so he's like, well, what do we have? And they bring a little boy's lunch, and there's a few loaves and a few fishes, and Jesus is like, Okay, my math is, uh, on God's terms, that's enough. That's crazy thinking for most of us. But that's somebody who has spent their life seeing the world the way that God sees it. And someone who sees the world that God says is, you know what? There is enough here. And all of a sudden you have this incredible miracle where 5,000 people, actually probably more like 20,000 when you add women and children, back into the equation are fed. That's awesome. And you guys are like, oh, yeah, but that's like a real Jesus-y example. Can you give us a, a human example? And the answer is yes, 100% I can. So we, um, we watched this awesome little uh, documentary in our house called Mully. Anyone seen Mully? Yeah, a few of you. All right. So you can go on YouTube and you can watch this. It's free on YouTube. It's a, a documentary about a man in, I think it's Kenya, who... Um, was orphaned as a child. I'm going to give the whole thing away, but it's still worth watching, okay? He's, he's orphaned as a child and uh, living on the streets, making, like trying to just make ends meet. He uh, eventually, through hard work and dedication and ingenuity, works his way up to become one of the most wealthy men in Kenya. I mean, I think it's billionaire, like multiple billionaire, to where he's got all these different businesses and all these things that he, uh, he owns. And then one day... God starts working on his heart, and he is like, I can't do this anymore. I've been making all this money for my family and doing all this crazy stuff, but he's remembering back to when he's an orphan, and so he decides to literally walk away from everything because he feels the voice of God calling him to do it. And he's, he doesn't, like, have a plan. He's just like, I'm going to start taking in orphans. And so he starts taking in orphans, and eventually there's so many. He actually gets kicked out of his church because he takes in too many orphans, Okay, anyway, that's another story for another day. But he's got so many orphans that he moves out to this property that he owns. And so they move out to this property, and they have all these orphans on the property, and they don't, have any, they don't have enough food, and they don't have enough water. And so he's like, I don't know what to do. And so he begins to pray, and he, he's walking the land, and he feels like God tells him to go to one specific spot and to pray there. And so he goes and he prays, and God's like, there's water here. 
And he's like, um, okay, I don't see any water here. In this region, there, were, there was no vegetation because it's a desert region and there is no water. There's no rain and nothing grows. And so, so he's like, okay, God, if you say so. So he goes and he gets people to come and start drilling. They drill down pretty far and they're like, hey, dude, there's no water here. He's like, no, God said there's water. Keep drilling. So they keep drilling, they keep drilling, and eventually, guess what? There's water. And the water is so plentiful that they can't keep up with it. It just creates this amazing well. And so within what the guy does is he takes all of his ingenuity and learning, all of his business sense he's had his whole entire life, and decides to apply this to the situation. So instead of just making water and growing a few plants, they actually create this crazy irrigation system and start to grow crops to feed hundreds if not thousands of kids. And if that's not enough, they actually go and they do some consulting with people who are in know-how of these things, and they decide to take it up a notch. They actually realize that if they do enough vegetation with this farmland, they can actually create a little microclimate, and it will start to produce rain. What? I didn't know that was a thing. It either rains or it doesn't rain. But they're like, no, if we have enough water and enough vegetation, we actually can produce the circumstances that it will start to rain in this region. And all of a sudden, they have this ability to provide food for a whole entire region. They've now had like 18,000 orphans that have come through there. That is one person who decided to commit himself to the Lord and use his knowledge and know-how for the kingdom good. That's not a Jesus miracle in the Bible of, of, of like the divine son, right? This is a man like you and I. This is a person who was a business owner, just like some of you, who decided to give what he had over to the Lord and watch God use it. Isn't that awesome? And I could, we could go through story and story after story. We, we've told you before about the guy that Jen and I met in California. His name's Brian, who leads this awesome ministry called Faces of Anna, uh, Santa Anna, who knows how to be a painter. He knew how to create. And so he decided to use his gift of being a painter to teach other people how to paint. And so what they would do is they would go and they would find people who were houseless on the streets. And they would ask them for their permission to paint a painting of them and say, hey, we will give this to you. You'll, you'll have this if you want it. Or if you would allow us, we'll put this up for auction and we will help you use the proceeds of this to get you off of the streets. And so now there's this amazing ministry in Southern California and growing all throughout the world of one person using the gift that they have. Like, in applying it to other people. Isn't that awesome? Like, you have, guys, something in your capacity right where you stand, in your place of work, in your station of life, that if you commit to the Lord, he will show you how to use it for his glory. It may not be a miracle that, make, that a documentary is made out of. Guys, and that's okay. But maybe it could make a difference in your family, and maybe it could make a difference in your neighborhood. Again, many of the medical advances, technology, philosophy, music, Christians committing their minds to the Lord are behind those things. Some of you are here in this room, alive today. I would put myself in this category. Only because of medical advances. And somewhere down the line, that was a Christian who thought of that. Guys, you are the light of the world. The city on a hill. And that's not just in over-spiritualized terms when we pray prayers. It's also when we do the work of applying the knowledge that we have. Maybe it's not all miraculous, 
But to be honest, I think if all we'll say, commit ourselves is to say, God, I want to know more about what my station is life is and how it could be more faithful here. God, and would you make it more fruitful? I want to know how to be a better mom. I want to know how to be a better therapist. I want to know how to be a better teacher. I want to know whatever it is, whatever your station in life is that God has for you. I'm telling you, if you will commit that to the Lord, he will breathe on it. He will breathe on it. And it'll make a difference in your life. So what's it look like to grow in intellectual capital? Well, we've been walking through this list together. First, we invest the spiritual capital that we have. So what does that look like? Well, what do you know about God? How do you learn more of that? What do you know about his word? How do you just start with what you know right now and say, God, I'm committed to knowing more about who you are? Whatever that looks like. We have various degrees of of people in the room in your walk with the Lord. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for a really long time. For some of you, it's time to go a little deeper. You've been kind of living in the shallow end of the pool of faith, and God's like calling you to take a, a deeper step. For some of you, you're brand new in the faith, and you're like, I don't know anything. And it's like, hey, maybe just focus on memorizing one verse from the Bible. Just one, start, start with one thing. Maybe it's that verse about whatever's noble, whatever's pure. Like, focus on those things. Like, start where you are. And, and say, God, I want to grow my mind as it relates to you. That's it. That's just investing spiritual capital. Some of it is learning to ask God for his wisdom in certain situations. Lord, what do you think here? What's the right, what's the right thing to do? I don't know what to do. Help me, help me understand. We use the relational capital we, we have from others. Having the humility to um, ask other people for help in areas where you're not sure of something to do is an incredible quality. Some of the best leaders I know are the people who surround themselves with people who are smarter than they are. And that's, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't, like the, it doesn't matter what your station in life is. If you're a stay-at-home mom, there are stay-at-home moms who know how to do it better than you do. So ask them. If, if you're a business owner, there are people who own business a lot longer than you, and they can help you. Like, so having the, the, the humility to say, I could use your help. I, I do this all the time as a pastor. I have, like, a list of five or six people. I'm like, I've, help me with this one. I don't know what to do, you know. Or like, hey, how do you deal with this practical thing? I, so having that humility is so, so important to lean into the relationships that you have in order to grow. And if you don't have those relationships, start praying that God will put them in your life. That God will put those people in your life. And I promise you, at some point, he will. It might not be tomorrow, because maybe you're not ready for it. It might be a few years down the road. Physically, you might just have to choose to invest your time and energy in growing your mind. And that means making choices to not do other things. So maybe we don't spend as much time binge-watching whatever it is that you watch. And instead... Spend more time reading or watching a video that is helpful for you in learning or spending with time with those people. Like, uh, again, there's nothing wrong with that, like, uh, th- with those kinds of things. I'm just saying, like, growing our mind is really, really important, and you're going to have to make that investment of time and energy. And then you might have to invest some finances. Some of you I know are, like, going to school right now because you feel like that's, that's what the right thing to do is. Like, you feel like right now I need to invest in, my, in growing my knowledge in this area, and so I'm going to go to school. I'm going to learn more about how to be better at my job, whatever it is. You might have to decide if that's what God is calling you to do, that that's an area that you're going to invest in. 
But the key for, I think, all of us, regardless of what this is, is to make a decision that I want to learn how to think more like God thinks. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. I love, Bill Johnson has said this in a number of different ways, but uh, I can't afford to have any thoughts in my head that aren't in his. So whatever my perception of, of the world is, I've got to align my thoughts with his thoughts about it. I can't afford to have thoughts in my head that aren't, that aren't his thoughts. Whether it's about me, man, God loves you with an infinite kind of love. He sees you as forgiven and free. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on that. It matters whether you feel it or not, because if you don't feel it, you'll have a hard time living out. But I'm telling you, like, what we need to do is align our thoughts with God's thoughts about that. Having God's thoughts about your finances, about your workplace, about your purpose in life, those are the things that are most important. And so making that commitment today, say, God, I'm just going to give this to you. I'm going to give my thought life to you, is awesome. I believe that in this room, there are, God is calling some of, these, some of you here in this room to do things you've never even thought of before because you've not committed this area of your life to the Lord. And he's just saying, if you will give me your thought life, I will give you ideas that you didn't know. And I think that those things will be, have impact in our schools, an impact in our community, an impact in our neighborhood. Like, I'm telling you, it is in this room. So let's think God's thoughts, amen? So Holy Spirit, I just ask you, Lord, to, to begin to change your minds so that we have changed hearts. Begin to renew our thought patterns, God. Re help us to perceive the difference between truth and lies. Help us to understand when we're believing something that's not true versus when we're pressing into your heart. Help us, Lord, to be discerning about how we should go about in the world, God. Help us to be discerning about the information that we allow into our minds. Help us, Lord, instead to focus on the things, God, that, that you want to be before us, that you want to use to shape and to mold how we think and how we act in the world. God, I pray that you begin to inspire people right now with ideas for mission and ministry. I pray that there will be new ministries that are birthed out of this room that will bring transformation and healing to schools and families and neighborhoods and communities. Tutoring programs. Mentorship programs. Creative arts. Sports camps. Lord, whatever it is that you want to do, would you just release it by your spirit, God? And let nothing stand in the way of what you want to do in us and through us, Lord. Help us to grow in this area. We love you and we commit ourselves to an act of worship with our minds. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come hang out with us up here. There's not a whole lot of room right now, uh, but we'll, we'll figure that out in weeks to come. Otherwise, have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. God bless.